Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome from your humble and lovable Newsbusters. The hot story this morning on Monday. You get up, you turn on your computer, and Axios has this surprising story. Turns out, the president is angry and profane with his staff, including admonitions like, GD, how the F don't you know this? Don't effing BS me and get the F out of here. Uh, this story broke and Ron DeSantis cracked on his Twitter account. This is how most Americans feel when the president tells them Bidenomics is working. <laughs> but don't Joining us today to discuss what happened on the Sunday shows yesterday, it is our media analyst, Kevin Tober. He's not throwing a brick. He's coming from Brick, New Jersey. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Tim. <laughs> so we're going to start with Chuck Todd because he said Marine Dowd had a pretty tough piece in the New York Times on Saturday um, about Hunter Biden's child. Navy Joan Roberts, and uh, Marine Dowd was basically suggesting that it was cruel for Joe Biden to deny this child exists. That was called a pretty tough piece. Uh, as you know, uh, Kevin, Chris Plant this morning in his radio show said, hey, great job, Marine Dowd. You're only like two years behind us. Yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, London Roberts has not made herself a big personage. She could have done that. She has not done that. Yeah. But uh, let's listen to Chuck Todd and NBC senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hake, not Hack, Hake. Should be Hack. Should be Hack. Discussing how the Republicans are exploiting this story. I think we've all understand the personal challenge and, and, and concern and all of these things that the that the that the president has here. But his political foes are see this and they're trying to exploit. They're try, I mean, it is no doubt every day DeSantis or, or, or Trump tries to use Hunter to beat up Biden. Uh, how's that world handling it? Look, I don't think anybody envies the position that the president and his family are in on this issue because his family and Hunter specifically have become his primary political liability in a lot of ways. I mean, look at the cocaine story from the last week and how many Republicans have tried to seize on that Cheapness. issue. It's really kind of ugly the way it, it's been done. It's kind of yeah. a it's certainly kind of a tacky play here. But yeah. I mean, look, this is as complex as it gets to have to, you know, I don't think all of us here are parents, right? The idea of trying to balance your family's needs versus your political imperatives is is just ugly and unpleasant yeah. in politics as we're going to get, and we're going to get way down in... Well, Kevin, I just can't stand the way that they cry ugly and tacky when how did they treat the Trumps? Every, every day was ugly and tacky. Yeah, exactly, and you reminded me of an interview that Ivanka Trump had, the daughter of President Trump, and uh, I, think, I think the way she was treated was pretty ugly and tacky as well. So. Yeah, I mean, they, she did an interview in 2018, and they were asking her about her dad's sexual assaults yeah. or whatever. And she, she had the audacity to say, I don't think other presidential daughters get questions like this. Yeah, when was the last time NBC asked that of Chelsea Clinton? And they did not. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, God, yeah, the other... Chuck Todd would have a cow. He would. He would probably. Resign. He would birth a cow. 
but it, that's the whole point. So good for Ivanka Trump. But it, it's this whole idea that they would say, how dare anybody discuss this? Well, obviously, it's a little like this story about Biden screaming profanities at his yeah. aides. They have cultivated an image of, is he... He's a great dad. He's a nice guy. He's a devout Catholic. And all of that's baloney. And that's the problem. I th- I hear Chuck Todd and these guys, and what they're yeah. really saying is, stop talking about Hunter's messes. Yeah, and put the abortion-loving issue aside. Not acknowledging your own grandchild. Yeah. There's not, nothing Catholic about that. No, that's absolutely true. And this was Maureen Dowd had basically been writing about her sister Peggy, who was saying the same thing, and that is, we can all have sympathy with Hunter's issues, and Joe Biden can do that. He can be a father and still acknowledge that this child exists. Yeah, so you put like six stockings up above the fireplace in the White House, not seven. And as Maureen Dowd pointed out, Maureen Dowd pointed out that Jill Biden wrote a children's book in 2020 mentioning the six grandchildren. So Jill Biden's in on this denial, too. This is obviously something that the game the Democrats play, which is we're going to lie because the media will cover for us. Yeah, because it's a comfortable lie. Yeah. We're going to deny this exists. And then we're going to pretend the Republicans are crazy and have two heads when they say there's actually a seventh grandchild. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I'm sure it was a conspiracy at one point, and then once it was found out to be accurate, they circled the wagons saying, oh, you're being mean to poor Joe and Hunter. Yeah, I'm so sick of that. Right. Uh, now, I did, a, I did a quiz for you, Kevin. Nexus search quiz. I put in the name London Roberts in Nexus for NBC News the last five years. Do you want to guess how many mentions of London Roberts on NBC? I'm going to guess zero. Yes, as Jeff Dickens would say, zero seconds. In all caps. So then I put in the same five-year period, put in Stormy Daniels. Oh, boy. 145 different segments or interviews or articles. So those weren't mentions. Those are the the segments. It's how many times she came up in the last five years. And there are reasons to do that. Yeah. You know, the indictment of Alvin Bragg's indictment of Trump was about Stormy Daniels. Yep. And so, so, but the point being, Stormy Daniels, as we all know, she was on 60 Minutes. She was all over the place. She and Avenatti, they're on The View. Uh, They're comparing Michael Avenatti to the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is what you forget, all the insanity around Stormy Daniels. Yeah. And she she made a lot of money out of that. She did a bunch of stripper tours all over the place. And there was no shame in Stormy Daniels being a stripper. Yeah, no, definitely. Or a, or a, an X-rated film star. Yeah, that's what they'll say, yeah. But, but when it comes to London Roberts, the reason Maureen Dowd wrote about this is because the New York Times actually did a story by Katie Rogers on the front page that, that noted that this story existed um, yeah. and talked to London Roberts' father, then kind of got this whole story about how Navy Joan Roberts, who's Hunter's child, is mm-hmm. a smart little four-year-old girl, et cetera. Um, so just the fact that this story exists, that the New York Times puts it on the map, suddenly it exists. This is kind of the same point Chris Plant was making, 
which is if the New York Post writes about it, it's not a news story. But when the New York Times acknowledges, suddenly it's real. Yeah, yeah. No matter how long, how old it is, it's yeah. Now you're. Yeah, I you're mean, allowed to talk about it now because the New York Times reported on it. Well, and you're allowed to talk to her about it for about five seconds, and then yeah. Chuck Todd tells you you're being mean. Yeah. <laughs> how dare you? How no. dare you? I mean, what they're basically saying is since we brought up Chris Platt, let's let's use one of his phrases. It's good to be a Democrat. Exactly. Is this is we're exactly in the same space with Hunter Biden where we were in October of 2020, and that is NBC comes out and says, "How dare you?" pounce on hunter biden how dare you discuss this how dare you weaponize this and, and, and you know there was this moment uh, i'm going to get to our next item in a minute but curtis hauk was drawing attention to me jim acosta had an interview with denver riggleman yesterday and they said well why are you working for hunter biden and riggleman says because i hate bullies now when i was on the mrc cruise i i devoured miranda devine's book on the hunter laptop laptop from hell and you're going to very quickly get the impression Hunter Biden is a bully. Yeah. Hunter Biden's a super bully. He's a very bullying person. You got this whole thing where he's on the WhatsApp telling the guy yeah, in China, yeah. I'm here with my dad. You better knuckle under. You won't like how I hold a grudge. Yeah. I mean, like Hunter, a mob boss. Hunter Biden yeah. is a bully. Yeah. He's a nasty human being. And they all know this. But the only way that you are allowed to discuss it is hearts and flowers. Yeah. Poor, oh, poor Hunter. Hunter yeah. What a great dad he has. Great dad. Oh, my goodness. Uh, all right. So this bothers me. We're going to discuss Hunter Biden because it's worth discussing. But anybody who says this is something we shouldn't discuss these personal family matters. Is that the way we handled the Trumps? Is that the way we handled? I can go back to when I was a White House correspondent and George W. Bush's daughters. Oh. <gasps> Head on, they drank underage in Austin, and that yeah, was considered big a big scandal. Yeah, compared to what? Hunter Biden. So, you, so you can drink underage, but you can't smoke crack in a bathtub like Hunter. Back then, our whole comparison was George W. Bush's daughters versus Al Gore's son. Al Gore's son got arrested for driving like ninety miles an hour. Ooh. He got a speeding ticket. Well, they weren't going to talk about that. No. So which one's more dangerous, having a tequila in a bar in Austin or driving 90 miles an hour on the interstate? Driving 90 but, miles an hour. But yeah, it's good to be a Democrat. It all is. right. So speaking of it's good to be a Democrat, you also noted yesterday Fareed Zakaria interviewed President Biden. And you made this joke where you said GPS stands for. Oh, yeah, I said yeah, the, the show is called Freed Zakaria GPS because you need a GPS to find the people who actually like watching the show. <laughs> but um, dump. Yeah. You need a GPS to figure out what it, where what is Biden trying to say? <laughs> no, but this was, you would say, a, a fairly standard sleepy Freed Zakaria interview where they talked about Ukraine. I mean, even his question on cluster munitions was like, so you've changed your mind. What's what's that about? A hundred yeah. nations span it. But you're going to give it to Ukraine. Um, it was was too mild, obviously. Yeah. Um, it, he asked, unless you knew what he was trying to say, you'd be like, mm. you know, yeah. Yeah. He questioned about China. He questioned about Israel. But he his whole pitch about Israel was, what will it take for Netanyahu to get your handshake or whatever? It's like. Yeah, or, or invite to the White House. I think yeah, that's what it was. Stop. Yeah. Stop. I think, like, ne I think Netanyahu can live without Biden's handshake. <laughs> 
But here's the, the, the thing we all brought it around to. Uh, he had to end it by going super soft. Listen to this. You've often said when people ask you about your uh, age, uh, just watch me. And I think a lot of people do watch you and are impressed. And they think you've been a great president. Uh, you've brought the economy back. Uh, you've restored relations with the world. But many of these people do say, and these are ardent supporters of yours, the next thing he should do is step aside and let an another generation of Democrats take the baton. So you obviously pointed out that he said many Democrats think you're a great president. Yeah. And some guy at News Nation was like, yeah, nobody's ever heard of. Well, <laughs> you took him out of context. Well, this is the way that journalists praise leaders they like is they may not say, gosh, Joe Biden, you're a great president. But they do what this many people say business. Yeah, because they can't go out and outright say it. So they go, oh, many people are saying. And I thought they're just uh, icing on the terrible cake. Trying to censor myself. <laughs> is, um, <laughs> I saw the eyes going back and forth. Like, yeah. can I can't say yeah. this? No, it was somewhere in the poop sandwich yeah, category. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. something like that. Yeah, I try to keep it clean. Um, was when he's like, oh, you turned the economy around. I'm like, what? Yeah. When was the last time Fried Sicaria bought groceries? Has he been to the grocery store and see how much inflation is just killing us? Yeah, I mean, we we understand unemployment is there. There's some things. Unemployment is low um, for now because last Friday you saw the jobs report. There, everything's slowing and sour. yeah. I'm just saying there. If you're a Democrat, you can make some cases to say it's yeah. not. It's not the Great Depression. It's not a recession. Oh, you know, unemployment's low. But right when when you go out and say. They had the prices right as night the other the other night, and they claimed that a tube of pop and fresh cookie dough was nine fifty. And I'm like, that's insane. That cannot be right. And the next time I was in the grocery store here, yeah. it was three ninety nine. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, everything at the grocery store is yeah it feels like it's twice as much as it was. Yeah, and there was no inflation under Trump. I mean, you know, people can have their issues with Trump, and some of us do, and or don't. Um, but there was. What was the inflation when, when Biden took office? Like, it was like nearly non-existent. Yeah. I mean, obviously, some of these prices, like gas, went way down because we were locked down and whatnot. Yeah. So, I, I think the whole point of it is we made this point when we wrote our book on mass is that they just didn't discuss economic statistics under Trump. Yeah, they they didn't want to talk about anything that was going right under Trump. So yeah, they, they just could. they basically did not. Yeah. But yeah, you're in a point right now where they're trying to say, you know, Bidenomics. Is, is is a thing. Yeah. And obviously, right, for them to say, well, inflation's down now to 4.5% or whatever. Okay. Which but if prices like doubled. doubled and then it goes up another 4%, is that a good thing? No. I mean, maybe the decline in, in inflation is better news than it being persistent inflation. Yeah. But, yeah, it still feels a little bit like you're saying Jimmy Carter's got a great record to run on. That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting part. When I looked at the... Uh, at this Fareed Zakaria show, is that he does this whole interview with Biden, and then he comes back with his pompous editorial, because everybody on CNN needs to have a pompous editorial. And uh, he came out after the commercial, after Biden, and said, American presidential campaigns usually aren't focused on foreign policy, which is actually a blessing, because when they are, the result is often crazy talk. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, and, I, I just and, see that. And of course, he means the Republicans are all crazy, effectively declaring war on Mexico's drug cartels. Now, guess what? He didn't seem to ask Joe Biden, how's the fentanyl thing going on there under your watch, President Biden? Yeah. Didn't ask. Nope. I mean, no. there's there's nothing about... If, if you're going to do a big, pompous thing about the Republicans stinking on Mexico's drug cartels, why don't you actually ask Joe Biden how he's doing yeah. with drugs coming across from Mexico? Yeah, because then that, you know, you can't bring that up because then you draw attention to the point that he hasn't been has failed to secure the border. He, he didn't say, Mr. President, most Republicans say you're doing a bad job on fentanyl. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, to kind of tie that back to what we're just talking about, <laughs> there's, that's, that's never the... You could. The or a question. It should be. You could. You could say. You could argue, yeah. Uh, you didn't build a wall. All right. <laughs> on Sunday today, NBC's Joe Fryer was pushing the idea we're all going to fry. yes. As the old Tom Lehrer song went, we'll all fry together when we fry. That was about <laughs> nuclear war, though, Kevin. Okay. I'm, ta- I'm going back to the 60s. I know you were born in 1994, but I, Joe Fryer just makes me think about it. We're all going to fry like a bucket of KFC. Uh, the, uh, he was talking to meteorologist Angie Lassman, and they were discussing how there was a United Nations report saying much of the South from Georgia to California, would be uninhabitable. Let's listen to this. Angie, as you mentioned, the human body simply can't handle these levels of heat and will go into heat stress. But with much of the country and the world experiencing these record temps, at what point do certain areas just simply become uninhabitable for humans? Yeah, Joe, that's a great question. That point, actually probably closer than what you think. A United Nations report released late last year says that much of the South, including areas in Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, and California, will be less suitable for humans to live in by 2070, just less than 50 years from now. That report also states that up to one-third of the global population will start experiencing life-threatening heat conditions, something that we currently only see in places like the Sahara. (laughs) You know, this is nuts when they're saying, well, by 2070, uh, that's what I I can't stand when they do this sort of stuff. Because now I'm I'm old enough at this organization to remember my first year, 1989, Paul Ehrlich came in and they had a big segment. They basically handed over the microphone to him and he did Earthwatch and he was like, You'll have to tie your boat to the Washington Monument after the climate change. And how long ago? How how long did they say that was going? Well, happen? I think that the the implication was in a very short time, okay, right? Well. Certainly not in 2023. I saw the Washington Monument last week. I, I, I'd have to tie a boat to it. This sounds like a fun stunt for us, Kevin. We yeah. could just do a newsbusters stunt. We'll take a boat. We'll drag it down to the Washington Monument. Try to tie it out there. Like, yeah. You can't tie it to the monument. You need an awfully big rope. But yeah. maybe like they have like the fence or the chain around it. Yeah, well, you know, you know, we'll they, tie our boat to it. Yeah, and they do these stupid um, predictions that are way in the distance because they know a lot of people won't be alive in 2070. To I don't think I will. <laughs> I'd be 106. But the whole. But that's what's annoying about all of this is that the United Nations, back in the day you know, said we were all going to die from overpopulation. That was the kind of stuff they were seeing in the 60s and the 70s. This is what Paul Ehrlich wrote a book called The Population Bomb. This is what they were all saying. 
And that was, you know, the United Nations yeah. has been firmly wrong on this for many years. They have this international panel on climate change, which yeah. sounds like Ipecac. Because um, that's what it is. It makes you want to vomit. Uh, but it doesn't matter, Kevin. When you're a liberal, it does not matter whether the United Nations has ever been right about anything when it comes to climate because they're the United Nations, yeah. which means they must be the experts because they're global. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's like, oh, yeah, they'll, they've been wrong every other time, but maybe they'll be right this time. And it's the issue is, yeah, I guess you could argue that is newsworthy that and the United Nations is claiming that because that is pretty horrifying if you are gullible and you believe that. But you would think with reasonable reporters, not that these two are, but you, the meteorologist, you think she'd be responsible and be like, oh, well, you know, this is, you know, skeptical. She'd be skeptical with it or she'd like cite someone else who'd say like, well, these experts that also you know deny that. And there would be you would think it would be kind of have some kind of balance but they're taking this at face value they never which is what my issue was like, yeah, they never allow a debate on climate you yeah. can't you can't have a debate and that's the whole problem is it's one thing to say gee we think the climate may be warming and we should be concerned that's not what they're doing they're out there yes yeah. tearing their hair out saying george is going to be unlivable <laughs> and, that, and that's where you just want to say as you suggested to me, you can't accurately forecast the weather 48 hours from now. Yeah, I was going to say that because I told you that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's the obvious point we've been making about global warming for my entire time here. Yeah. I mean, that issue sort of broke out in 1988. That was the year before I came here, but we had a pretty big drought in the summer of 88. And this is that time of year. It's really hot. It's like oppressively hot. Newsflash, it's hot in summer. And but yeah. that's when they break this stuff out. Well, the, the 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 South could become unlivable. Yeah, no, this does bring us another good point that the media always, and not just in the media, not not just liberals in the media, but liberals everywhere. They would be like, because my, my brother's a lib, and uh, I would be like, when I was in high school, I used to live with my parents and with him and everything. I'd be like, in the wintertime, I'd be like, oh, man, it's freezing. Where's this global warming I was mm. promised? Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, no, weather is different from climate. And I'm yes. like, all right, well, then how come that, that, that same theory doesn't work with summer? It's exactly what they say when there's a blizzard. That's yeah. exactly what they say. Well, weather's different than climate. Yeah, so... Uh, but yes! Work, yeah, exactly. How come it doesn't work now in the summer? Yeah, now suddenly it's in the 90s yeah. or it's approaching 100 and you're and suddenly it's all the same. Weather, yeah. climate, it's all the same. Panic, panic, panic. Uh, now, to wrap up here... Uh, I don't want to play a clip of this. Uh, uh, on ABC, they had this Joan Coaston from the New York Times. Jane Coaston, yeah, from uh, yeah, she's like some kind of podcast host for New York Times or something, and she's an ABC News contributor. Well, as she's, well, so she's always she, first of all, you stop listening to her because she has this wacky haircut. Yeah, she shaved one side. Well, actually, it it looks better than it did last time she was on. Well, it was she used to have like a Which glorified super mohawk. Yeah. Uh, uh, all I'm saying to you is. Um, yes, the elderly people are like, I can't take you seriously with that hair. Hey, I'm not elderly. I can't take her seriously with that hair. So she was spazzing about how Ron DeSantis was going for the extremely online crowd. And then she said he was campaigning for 4chan and she called him an edgelord. And I had to say, <laughs> who's extremely online? Yeah, exactly. I haven't been to 4chan. I know it's supposed to be where the Trump nuts hang out. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like just like with the... the the other weird thing that they mentioned was a QAnon or whatever. 
The only people who mention QAnon and 4chan are, are liberals. Like I've never, I talk conser- conservatives all day. I never hear anyone on our side mention that unprovoked. Well, I, I don't even know what it is really. They're going to try Sorry. to find what they think is embarrassing. It's like, it's like you guys aren't allowed to talk about Antifa. Yeah. You know, but, the, the only time Chuck Todd wants <laughs> to talk about Antifa is when he wants to actually explain they're good people. Yeah. Just like Hunter Biden. (laughs) But she was basically saying that DeSantis makes Trump look chill. Uh, This whole thing was a spaz of, you know, (laughs) dude, he's an edgelord. He's making Trump look comparatively centrist and LGBT. Which to conservative voters, you'd be like, all right, well, I don't want someone who's chill. I want someone who's as conservative as it gets. And DeSantis makes... uh, Trump look moderate, then I'll go with DeSantis. Well, I think... I'm, only sp- I'm speaking generally. Not well, and Jane Coaston is a lesbian, an open lesbian, so she's yeah. going to be upset about LGBT. Of course. Uh, but they're, yes, they're, this is the whole thing. They've all jumped on this this goofy ad where Ron DeSantis has got red rays coming out of his eyes, and he's, yeah. he, they've got a whole bunch of... He- it's not a DeSantis ad, but they're all treating it like it is because the DeSantis War Room account retweeted it. I think because they found it amusing, but they have all these headlines where DeSantis is the most anti-trans, blah, blah, blah. And so they're all obsessing over it. They played this on Washington Week on PBS, which shows you the Democrats really like that because PBS for for Democrats. Um, But as you said, you were like, well, the more all these people pile on DeSantis, it's almost like they're trying to say, here's who we don't want. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I believe uh, in my in my blog. I think at the end I put you know, Rush Limbaugh always used to say like always the media will tell you who they fear, not just the media, Democrats as well, same thing. But they'll be like they'll, they'll always tell you who they fear by who they're attacking, and you notice nowadays they're attacking DeSantis more than Trump. And there was actually a, a Democrat a Democrat strategist on uh, which I didn't get to unfortunately on um, it was a me, uh, media buzz I believe or yeah media buzz. And he was asked flat out, said, who do you, if you were, could pick the Republican nominee, who would you want? And he's like, Trump, absolutely. They know, we all know this, and they have, they will admit it on occasion when you push them. Yeah. Is because they think, oh, you'll pick Trump and he'll lose by 20. Well, how's that worked out so far? Did it work out for you in 2016? No. I mean, they assumed that Biden was clean as clock in 2020. That didn't happen. No. Nobody won on a landslide. So I, I don't imagine why they think. I mean, I guess they're looking at the 2022 midterms that the Trump-endorsed candidates yeah. pretty much lost. So they're all, weirdly enough, Trump's endorsed candidates failing made them all want Trump all the more. So, I mean, this is this is an interesting scenario where they're now trying to say Ron DeSantis is worse than Trump. He's more dangerous than Trump, et cetera, et cetera. So. If you remember, Mitt Romney was the worst person in the world in 2012. Yeah, he wanted to put Big Bird in Guantanamo or something. It was, he <laughs> wanted to k- kill B- Big Bird, and he uh, held down some kids, uh, held out some kid in high school and cut his hair. Or, I guess it was a gay kid or something. And then he put his dog on the roof of the car. and All those other, you know, Mitt Romney was the worst person in the world, and then... You know, Trump came along. Now he's the worst person. Mitt Romney's a saint. And now you can see the trend. Trump's not so bad. Trump's pretty centrist. He's he's compared. DeSantis is terrible. Well, some of these people were complaining that when Trump said he was going to be pro LGBT, it was right after the uh, 
the disco bombing or whatever in or in in Orlando. Yeah. Or shooting. And so uh, that is a time where you'd want to say, hey, we're against mass shootings. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the point being is they don't recognize anything on LGBT as comparatively centrist. I mean, but Jane Coaston's trying to do the same thing everybody else is doing, which is why would why would Ron DeSantis try to be so edgy? Why would he try to be so much against woke? So Ron DeSantis has made Doonesbury, mm. Sunday's comic strip, unfunny as always, is all that, like the only answer that Ron DeSantis can give reporters is woke, woke. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, Gary Trudeau really stinks at this. He really should retire. He hasn't been funny since the 1970s, pretty much, since he was doing cartoons of inside Reagan's brain. Ha ha! Yeah, yeah. we don't think that Gary Trudeau is going to do a strip about being inside Biden's brain. But if he did, Joe Biden would say, "Get the f out of here." <laughs> So, you know, your assignment, Kevin, for Monday night is, yes, is anybody going to notice on the networks that uh, now they're saying that Biden's angry and profane with staffers? He's abusive. It's a toxic work environment. I'm willing to bet no. What do you think? I I don't think so. I think that cable will touch it a little bit because, I mean, it's Axios.com. Joy Reid will praise it, say Biden's great for this. He's see the fact that he's screaming at people that they're not briefing him well enough means he's on top of it. Yeah, that will well, be Joe Reed's take tonight. There's so much energetic spin, uh, but uh, we do want to look at this. I think we want to make this point again when people say, "Well, Biden has a carefully curated image as a nice guy." It's like, who are the curators? Ask yourself, who are the curators who said he was a great dad and a devout Catholic? Yes, that would be your so-called liberal news media so if you want to keep up with how we're taking them down you got to come to newsbusters once, once twice, twice 24, 24 times, times a day, day. thank you kevin <laughs>